hppodcraft.com. In Husby, near Schleiswig, there lived an old, stingy woman. She offered her farmhands but little to eat, although there was fresh meat every Sunday. Her household wondered about this, because the old woman never bought any meat. A young farmhand wanted to discover the woman's trick, so one day he hid himself in the hayloft instead of going to church with the rest of the household. Suddenly he noticed how the woman pulled out a wolf strap and put it around herself. She immediately became a wolf, ran out into the field, and soon came back with a sheep. If she can get meat that easily, thought the boy, then she can be more generous with us. As the woman put meat into the pot, she sighed and said, as was her custom, Oh, dear God, if only I were with you. The boy, pretending to be God, answered, You'll not come to me for all eternity. Why not, dear God? Because you put too little into the pot for your people. Then I'll do better. Yes, that's my advice to you. From now on, she put a much larger piece of meat into the pot, but the boy could not remain silent, and in the village he talked about what had happened. When on a Sunday morning the woman again turned herself into a wolf, the people were on guard. However, no bullet could harm her until they finally loaded a flintlock with a silver bullet. From that time to the end of her life, the woman had an open wound that no doctor could heal. She never again showed herself as a werewolf. That is the tale of the werewolf of Husby, as recorded by Carl Mullenhoff. As reco- Wait, that's who we just heard reading? No, 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 no. See, these are folk tales. Ah. And this fella wrote down this, Carl Mullenhoff. Oh, he recorded it like in his diary. Or in a document about yeah. werewolf folklore. And folklore is not the only thing we're going to be talking about on this special episode of... The HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. At hppodcraft.com. Who are you? I'm Chris Lackey. And who the heck are you? I'm Chad Pfeiffer. Folks, this is a bonus episode we decided to bring to you for Werewolf History Month. And not just us. We're doing this because we have a sponsor. We do? (laughs) We don't just whip out extra episodes for the heck of it, man. We've got a sponsor. It's Delta Green Tales from Failed Anatomies, an anthology of short stories set in the Delta Green universe. After the events of The Shadow of Rinsmith, when the military closes in, that's sort of the beginning of the covert government operations yeah. against the Cthulhu mythos. They're trying to keep us safe from yeah. Lovecraftian monstrosities, right? Exactly. And that's from the started in the mid-90s, and there's been all sorts of games and fiction and lots of things that have happened in this world. And it's a really cool, you know, government conspiracy X-Files sort of thing, right? It is. And, you know, it actually predates X-Files by like a year. Ah, look at that. These guys know what's going on. They got their finger on the pulse. I especially know about Delta Green Tales from Failed Anatomies because we've been hooked up with it for a while while they're running this Kickstarter to get the book going. Some of the stretch goals are that we will produce audiobook versions of the stories in the collection. Yeah, we've already met three of the stretch goals, Punching, Philosophy, and Drowning in Sand. There's plenty more where that came from, and we're looking forward to doing them. They're all good stories, and they're going to be great productions with our stable of readers. So the more we kick in for the Kickstarter, the more those will be unlocked, the more great fiction that you'll get from us. And I know that a lot of people write in and say, when will you guys stop talking and we can just hear more people reading? (laughs) (laughs) So if you contribute to this Kickstarter, you will get the great service we do provide when we uh, we create these audiobooks. Yeah. Delta Green, Tales from Failed Anatomies. Thanks so much for sponsoring us for this extra bonus episode this month. I'm really glad that we did this, actually, because... 
we started reading The Camp of the Dog not knowing how much we were going to dislike it. <laughs> Our most recent show was part one of that. I actually think it turned out kind of funny because we were so disappointed. And I know in the second <laughs> half of that story, there's going to be more interesting things that happen. But yeah. because it's so long, we weren't able to squeeze in all the things that we wanted to talk about. And this will probably be our last Werewolf History Month. Yeah, yeah, because there's not really any more werewolf stories in supernatural horror and literature. So all the supplemental stuff we wanted to get in, we this is great. We've got a bonus episode just to talk about whatever the heck we want to talk about as it pertains to werewolves. Now, we should say that at the top of the show, that story that we heard was read by Rachel Lackey. Yeah, my wife. She just jumped in there and gave, a, gave us a little German reading. I didn't make her do an accent. Why did you uh, pick that story to kick off with? Well, I think it's a good representation of the German werewolf folktale. There's this great website that I found, and we'll put it up there. It's just called uh, Werewolf Legends of Germany, and it's uh -huh. translated by this guy called, or woman, I should say, D.L. Ashland at the University of Pittsburgh. And he just mm -hmm. takes all of these old folktales from all these different sources, German folktales about werewolves, and just put them all in one place. Now, there's a lot of common elements to these stories, um, even though they take place in all different parts of Germany. This one had a lot of the common elements, so I thought it would be a good one to kind of jump off with. So those common elements are the belt? The belt, yeah. There's so many of them that have this werewolf belt, which is either made from a wolf or it's just a magic belt, typically mm -hmm. given by the devil. Yeah. So you make some kind of pact with the devil and you get a belt that turns you into a wolf. And what else in here is a common element? Well, the silver bullet, that's another one. Yeah. That's I think it, German folklore is where the silver bullet comes from. And then also somebody being shot as a wolf or hurt as a wolf. And then right, having the wound as a human. Exactly. And that's yeah. a really common story where, oh, it's my brother. He's gone. Oh, there's a wolf. I'm going to stab this wolf in the shoulder. Oh, my brother comes back. He's got a stab wound in his shoulder. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, right. Like the next story you have here. This one, it's a soldier, which related this story, which happened to his grandfather. Grandfather goes out to the woods to cut some wood with a, a kinsman of his and a third man. And it says in the story, people thought something not quite right about the third man. Yeah, he, he's a little off. And basically what happens is these guys cut so much wood, they get tired. And the third man goes, you know what we should do? Lay down on the ground and go to sleep. That's my, that's my favorite bit. And they all go for it, too. They're like, yeah, man, let's take a nap on the yeah. ground. So they all just lay down on their backs on the grass and nod off. But the grandpa, is a, he's pretty savvy, so he kind of keeps his eyes closed. He pretends to be asleep. But he's he's keeping his eye a little bit open so he can see what up what, what's up with this third guy. This is a great sentence because it says, the third man looked around to see if the others were asleep. And when he believed this to be so, he took off his belt. I say end the story there. That's a, <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> but then in parentheses, or as others tell the story, put on a belt. Mm -hmm. And turned into a wolf. So he's a werewolf. Yeah, this is, this is now the only story that I read that actually had a dude taking a belt off and then turning into a wolf. All the other stories are all about people putting on a belt and then turning into a wolf. So probably he's a wolf with a human belt. Could be. It's kind of a Little Mermaid story, really. It is. How is it like a Little Mermaid story? The wolf wants to be part of our world. So he's got a little bit of magic that makes him human. And he can go out and hunt. And, you know, that's why he's so he doesn't understand humanity very well. That's why he's like, hey, guys, let's just lay down on the ground and sleep. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of a wolf's point of view. Exactly. Yeah, they do that all the time. They're just, you yeah. know, I'm tired. I'm going to lay down and sleep here. So after he does that, turns into the wolf, he goes out, finds a horse that was grazing, he attacks it, eats it. And he eats the whole thing. He eats the skin. He eats the hair. All of it. Eats up on the booty. Eats up it. on the <laughs> the booty. And then he, and then he uh, puts his belt back on or takes it off, mm -hmm. depending. Lays back and pretends to be asleep. And he's in his human form. A little later, they get up and they all make their way home. When they reach the town gate, the third man 
complains he's got a stomach ache. And then grandfather says kind of quietly to the guy, that I can believe for someone who has a horse complete with his skin and hair and his belly. And then the third man kind of looks at him and he says, if you had said that to me in the forest, you would not be saying that to me now. But what's cool about these stories is that they've been passed around and they've got a lot of times they have specific names and people and locations. This guy told me and his name was Johan. So Johan's grandfather told him that this is something that happened to him. So it must be true. (laughs) I thought you are going with it. You're right. Yeah, it must be. Uh, That makes sense to me. Yeah. When I was reading through these little bits of folklore, they all have some point of view. And I think this one, it's that it dramatizes that moment when you find the one thing that's wrong with somebody. You know something's off with them or maybe everything's too perfect. Mm -hmm. And then there's that final tiny little thing that you see. Like if you're dating somebody. Mm-hmm. And everything's perfect about them and you're having a great time. And then, you know, one day you're sitting there and they start the conversation with, I've been reading a lot of werewolf folklore lately. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> There's only so much you can know about the people that you live in communities with. And I think werewolf stories sometimes express a paranoia. Maybe that's what I'm getting at. Now, the, these stories that I'm, I'm telling you, this, this one right here, was one recorded by the Brothers Grimm. So they went around and talked to people about local folklore. So these, right. these are pretty short. Here's another one with a woman who had taken on the form of werewolf attacked the herd of a specific shepherd because she had a a beef with him Mm -hmm. and she killed a bunch of his sheep. The shepherd wounded her in the hip with his axe and she crawled off into the bush. When the shepherd followed, he found that it was a woman there and she had some cloth torn from her dress and it was pushed into the wound. There you go. Really simple story. But that's, I keep forgetting that folklore comes from people actually believing this stuff. The idea that these things really did happen. Well, I mean, weren't people put on trial for being werewolves? I yeah. Mean, this... Speaking of which, story three. Yeah. And in Luch, uh, in the year 1610, two sorcerers were executed because they had turned themselves into werewolves and had killed many children. With them, they had a boy of 12 years whom the devil turned into a raven whenever they were tearing apart and eating their prey. That's, wait, these two sorcerers actually were executed? Well, so according to wow. this story. And yeah, there's lots of um, these stories that I was reading where they said the brother of this man reported him and he was executed. Yeah. (laughs) Or the wife reported her husband and he was executed. Well, people thought that that stuff was really going on. I, you know, we're not that far from it. A couple of weeks ago, I was on the Santa Monica bus going down to the beach with my wife. We jumped on and there was this woman sitting in front of us who was talking very loudly to a friend. She was that kind of like aging punk rock, but also sort of hippie. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like. She had the multicolored hair, but very kind of hippy-dippy way about her speaking. And they were talking about different political things. And the guy said to her, oh, I hate this politician. She said, yeah, yeah, I hate him too. And then they both kind of paused. And she said, well, actually, I don't hate anybody, really. You know, I've done a lot of work in my life and gone through a lot of things. And I just, I really can't say that I honestly feel hate anymore. And he said, yeah, that's really good. You know, I'm kind of the same way. There are things that I dislike, but hate, that's a really strong word. She goes, I will say I strongly, strongly, strongly dislike the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not what I, that is not where I thought she was going with it. I mean, I thought she was just about to bust out some, you know, I don't know, racism or whatever. Oh, I didn't think she was like going to say Hitler or something like that. Right. Or it could have been a pie. Yeah, exactly. Somebody, of course, you would strongly dislike. But the devil. But the devil. And even I could hear, because I couldn't really see the expressions, but even then there was this long pregnant pause after she said that where I was like, I could just hear the the gears turning in his head. Like, how the (laughs) hell do I respond to that? (laughs) 
it was like, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And then just kind of quiet. So, you know, that paranoia is still around. Yeah. I mean, there's still, unfortunately, there's witch trials going on in Africa right now. That's a big thing they're having to deal with. All right. Moving on. This one's called The Werewolf's Advance. And this mm. is one of the craziest ones. I, that's why I included this one in here. It's in Liveland. Uh, And this is a legend. So after Christmas Day is over, there's this boy who limps on one leg and he goes around calling to all the houses that have yielded to the evil one. And there's a bunch of them. He bids them to follow him. He's like, you know, walking around out in the streets Mm -hmm. like, come on, come with me. And if anyone resists or hesitates, then this big guy comes out and hits them with a whip braided with iron wire and little chains. Yeah. Like, what? What is going on? (laughs) This is crazy. Once he gets all the people... They follow him out, and then they turn into wolves. And then there's several thousand of them. Like, uh-huh. I mean, we're not talking 10 people, thousands of people that turn into wolves. And their leader, the guy with the iron whip, he leads the way. They go out and they attack cattle and rip up all animals they can find, and they do all this damage to the countryside. And then when they come to a body of water, the leader strikes it with his whip and then it divides, and then they cross it. Oh, they kill it because they can't cross running water like vampires. I, I guess. I guess. Yeah. After 12 days have passed, they abandon their werewolf form, and they become human. I like that. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. Uh, what, what's with the the guy whipping the water, and then it parts like the Red Sea? That's just a very bizarre yeah. thing. And who's this guy? I guess he's supposed to be the devil, the big guy with the... The whip, the iron whip. Okay, well, the, so this is another one. This is this is a, sort of a sad story, I thought, where mm-hmm. there's this guy. It's called Werewolf Rock. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as cool as it sounds, you would think. Yeah, it's not like Schoolhouse Rock. Like a rock and roll band of monsters. Right. You know, like the Groovy Ghoulies. <laughs> <laughs> and you think the, maybe the werewolf gets a solo and that's it's called Werewolf Rock, but no, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Anyway, so this story is about a specific place in Seehausen near... Modenberg. It doesn't matter where it is. What's the what's the le- Oh, there's a there's a large rock called Wolf Rock. I see. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there was this guy that would show up called the old man, and he would just nobody knew where he lived or what he did, but he'd show up and he would do odd jobs. He would often do shepherding work. That would be his thing. One day he was out shepherding, and he saw that there was this new, cute little spotted lamb that was born and it belonged to this guy called Mel. The old man asked him, hey, he goes, hey, you know, I've, since I've been working for you, would you give me the this little lamb? I'd really love to have it. The guy's like, no, I'm not going to give you that lamb. He goes, oh, come on, man, please. I'm doing all this work for you. He's like, no, beat it. He goes, oh, okay. The old man disappears and so does the spotted lamb. And nobody heard from them for a long time. Yeah, he stole it, right? I mean, he stole he just, it, basically, yeah. He cribbed that lamb. Long time later, the old man shows up. He's just kind of walking by and he sees this Mel dude. And he says, hey, Mel, your spotted lamb sends his greetings. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud when I read it in the notes here. I just imagine this old man dancing around, you know, out in the meadow. <laughs> I got your lamb. But this angered the shepherd so much. He got so ticked. He went after him. He took his crook. Mm. When he attacked him, the old dude turned into a werewolf. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah. So the shepherd ran. But then his dogs came to help him. and They attacked the wolf. So then... The wolf fled. Then he pursued through the forest and got to this one specific place, and the dog surrounded the wolf. Egenstedt. And the the shepherd called out, now you will die. I, I was <laughs> like, holy cow, he's going to murder this dude for, well, I guess because he's a werewolf, not just because yeah. he took a lamb. So the shepherd attacks him, and, and he turns back to a man, and he begs, please, you know, don't do this to me. I'm, I'm shortening things up a little bit. He says, no, I'm going to kill, kill you anyway. And he does, and he freaking kills the old guy. Oh, but there was a really crazy transition there, though, because he's beaten him. <laughs> He's beating on him while he's uh, a werewolf. Then he turns into the human. 
to spare me, beats on him some more, and then he turns into a thorn bush. Yep. The shepherd furiously attacked him with a stick when suddenly a sprouting thorn bush stood before him. But the vengeful shepherd did not spare him, hacking away at the branches. Then he turns into a human again. That didn't help me. Will you still spare my life? And the shepherd just beats him to death. Oh, my God. Yeah. So anyway, the rock cliff marks the spot where the old man had fallen and was buried. And it was named mm-hmm. after him. So there's this place in Germany called Werewolf Rock, which is named after this poor dude that was murdered there. This poor dude. For just being a werewolf, dude. What did he do? He's a were tree as well. And he stole a lamb. And he made fun of the shepherd who he stole it from. It's uh, it's shrub. It's not really a tree. I think all of this was uh, just lead up to a really cool fight scene. It's a shepherd fighting a werewolf. Then he's fighting an old guy. Then he's fighting a tree. It's pretty good. Our friend Graham Eberhart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> who he's read for us before. He always wanted to write a story about a werebee. Yeah. It should be a guy just turns into a tiny little bee. And it's really frustrating because what you can really what can you do? You know, he just buzzes around and kind of annoys people. And if he stings somebody, then he's dead. Well, that's so I thought it was such a funny idea. I wrote a play in college that had a playwright within it, and he was talking about plays he had written. So it's one of those things. All right. But one of the plays he'd written was called The Werebee, where a guy's accursed with it. You know, he tries to hide it from his wife. And one night he turns into the werebee at the full moon, and he goes out and he flies, and his wife's coming home from the shop, and she sees him and swats at him. And without being able to help himself, he stings her. And then he, he flies off. Of course, she's very allergic and has to get treatment. She comes home. Opens the door to tell her husband, I'm back. I've been at the hospital. And she finds him in there on the couch and he has no ass. (laughs) It's just gore where his ass once was. That's pretty good. I'm going to wrap up this portion of our podcast because I got more. We got more stuff to talk about here. Oh, okay. So the last one is uh, called the Mormock Monster, which is a more modern tale on the Han Air Force Base or near it. There is this village of Vitlik, and Morbach is a munition site that's just outside of this village. Well, anyway, supposedly Vitlik was the last town where a werewolf was killed, and there's a shrine outside of the town where a candle always burns, and legend has it if the candle ever goes out, the werewolf will return. Supposedly, one night, a group of security policemen were on their post, and they noticed the candle on the shrine was out, and they all joked about the monster. But later that night, the alarms went off on the fence sensors. The security police investigated, and one of them said he saw a huge dog-like animal stand up on its back legs, look at him, and then jump over a seven-and-a-half-foot-tall chain-link fence. Yeah. And a military dog was brought to the area, and the dog went nuts and wanted nothing to do with it and freaked out. They smell evil. Yeah, they smell evil. It was 1988 that that happened. There was another person that corroborated that and said that he worked at that Han Air, Air Force Base, and they said they definitely saw a large beast that was... Like a wolf or a dog, it was about seven to eight feet tall and jumped over 12 foot. Now the, now the, the fence is 12 feet, not seven and a half. It's 12 foot tall security fence. <laughs> Again, two accounts of the same story. True. Yeah, that's corroborated. Yeah. I met this producer. I don't remember if you met him or not, but he mm. he made like Loch Ness monster movies, big oh, monster right. movies. Mm-hmm. This was back in the early aughts, maybe, that he wanted to pre-sell overseas markets. So he paid me a little money to write up some treatments for different monster movies and I actually found this online I think and I wrote a treatment for a Morbach monster movie. Oh, all right. I completely forgot about it so that tells you something about the quality of the It must have been good. of the treatment. I do remember it had a really lame, I mean super lame inciting incident that I thought was cool at the time <laughs> where uh you know around this military base they had a skeleton of whatever this first animal or whatever it was that they found. And they were still analyzing it and stuff. And our main character, I think, cut his hand on the skeleton's teeth. Mm-hmm. And that's what turned him into the werewolf. Totally accidental, like, 
mishap in the museum. Yeah, it's terrible, Pfeiffer. I, it's so stupid. It's not dramatic. It's not interesting. I thought it was brilliant. Well, you've grown. I have changed, but it's it's a good thing that I didn't ever get that movie made because then I'd have to deal with the fact that it's not on your list of your favorite werewolf movies. It's time for Lackey's Werewolf Cinema because you know what, man? We don't talk about movies on the show. It's a literary podcast, but guess what? Yeah. Werewolves supersede literacy. <laughs> We've touched on some of these. Sure, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, this, this is mine. I'm going to go from the bottom up. So my, okay. my number 10 favorite werewolf movie, Underworld. And this is 2003. And if you hadn't seen it, you've, you've seen Underworld, right? I've seen Underworld. It's not a great movie, but there's just something about it. It's pretty much all style, no substance. Yeah. And Kate Beckinsdale. Right, right. I think that movie is really designed for the, all the people that played Vampire the Masquerade. Which was me. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't Scott Speedman turn into like a blue guy at the end well, of it or something? He kinda, yeah, he's a hybrid. He's werewolf vampire guy. That's his thing. It's not great, but I love it. And for me, it makes my top 10 list. Number nine, Wolfen, 1981. Now I might get some complaints from folks because it's not really actually a werewolf movie. It's about Indian wolf spirits. Uh huh. Have, have you seen it? No, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. It's got Albert Finney in there. He's a cop and uh, investigating this magnate guy gets murdered. And they're not, it seems like he was killed by an animal and his security guys were all killed as well. And it seems pretty bizarre. So he starts investigating it and he finds out there's a group of Native Americans that are living in New York where the, the whole thing takes place, realizes that there's some supernatural connection. It's very moody. It was 1981, so it kind of has a very 70s sort of feel to it. It's kind of slow paced, but it's got a lot of great mood and atmosphere, and I would totally recommend it. Hey, before uh, we move on, when you were talking about Underworld, I did just to make a one literary comment. I don't know if you've ever heard of an author named R. Chetwind Hayes. Mm -hmm. No. But he's a guy that I would come across when I used to read these like penguin anthology of vampires and, and things like that when uh -huh. I was younger. But he was a ghost story author, but he loved monsters. And he the first time I came across him, he wrote a story called The Werewolf and the Vampire. Mm -hmm. And it's about a werewolf and vampire who fall in love and they get married and they have a baby. And there's this preacher who wants them to die. And so the preacher attacks them and then the baby ends up biting him. Mm -hmm. But he had a whole chart in his books about what happens when certain monsters, you know, when, when a vampire and a werewolf have a child or oh, one bites awesome. the other. It's this kind of monster. And they, he created all kinds of weird monsters like Shadow Mox. And he created, he's got a whole like chart of all these different creatures. If you're tired of all these werewolf vampire movies and television shows, and I mean, it's, it's almost been done to death now with Twilight. You can go back and read that and it still sounds kind of fresh. It's, it's kind of interesting. Anyway, keep going. So number eight. The Wolfman, 1941. And uh, I think everybody knows what this movie is about, but it's got awesome Bella Lugosi in the beginning. Yeah. Good old... Robert Downey Jr. I was going to say Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Louis Gossett Jr. Lon Chaney Jr. Lon Chaney Jr. Why did... Yes. I just... That popped in my head and I couldn't get it out. Lon Chaney Jr. <laughs> that might be my number two werewolf movie. Actually. Really? I, I think I'd rank it higher. I love it, man. I, I love it's, everything about it. It's good. It's a little... I think it's a little slow, but it's way better than what you remember it being as a kid. Yeah. Because when you're a kid, you really can't appreciate it. When you see it in an adult, it's it's really cool. Nobody ever talks about the, the, the romantic story in there where Lon Chaney Jr. is looking at the girl he likes through a telescope <laughs> in her apartment. <laughs> and then he comes into the store where she works and he knows all these details about her. And he just says, it. he's like, yeah, I've been watching you through a telescope. She's like, oh, you. She likes it. Some girls are into that stuff. Yeah, I guess so. Number seven, Wolf. 
This is with uh, Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer and uh, Spader is the Spader, James Spader in there. Yeah, people hate it. I think it's one of the best. man. Yeah, it's really good because it's kind of about a dude refining his youth and his vitality Mm -hmm. and his virility. And it's sort of as an aging man, I'm sort of relating to it uh, a lot more. And I think it's it's a pretty cool device using being a werewolf for somebody kind of rediscovering themselves later in life. Yeah, they play it really high on the metaphorical thing where once Jack, his wife is cheating on him with his rival, Mm -hmm. who's like the young Turk, Spader. Once he gets bitten, he starts reclaiming his life and reclaiming his place as a man. And it's pretty interesting. Number six, Ginger Snaps. I love that one. That is, it's real low budget. It feels like a low budget movie, but there's something really cool with it. It's basically when a girl sort of hits puberty, it's about a younger sister who's, you know, her older sister is the one that's going through puberty and she's kind of losing her because she's now interested in boys. Well, and she's going to kill people and eat them because she's a werewolf. Yeah. But the whole metaphor of it is obviously when you're kids and then when people start kind of drifting away when they become adults and you and you lose them. And and that's what it's about. And it's it's really well done. And it's a cool werewolf movie on top of it. Hey, on that, though, I would recommend um, Trick or Treat. All right. Yeah. Brian Singer produced. has got a little werewolf segment in it with uh... Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Actually, Trick or Treat is better than people gave it credit for. I think it had a really tiny limited theatrical release, but you can get it straight to video. And I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was cool. All right. It's told in an innovative way. Okay. Number five, Dog Soldiers. This is 2002. Love it. This is pretty much aliens with werewolves instead of aliens. Yeah. It's got some stupid lines in it and yeah. some things that are kind of funny, but it's it's a rock and B movie. The director, he's, he went on to do The Descent and uh, I think he directed a... In, Game of Thrones, he did that great battle of the Blackwater. He's oh, right. he's a really cool director. He knows how to yeah. do action really well. It's a cool I love it when the guy knocks the shock he knocks out the window with a shotgun and then the werewolf reaches in and just takes his shotgun. It's not <laughs> something that I expected <laughs> to happen. Yeah, because they're smart wolves. Uh my number four werewolf movie is Silver Bullet, nineteen eighty five. Now some people may think that this is a bad movie. Uh, it's got Gary Busey and Corey Haim as the kid in there, and he's the kid in a wheelchair. So the, the protagonist is disabled, which I thought was a pretty cool character to have. I saw this when I was really young. So, I mean, 85, I must have been uh, 13. I found out that this was based off a Stephen King story, and mm-hmm. this was the first Stephen King story I ever read because I liked the movie so much. And it had the cool artwork by Bernie Wrightson in there. And it's yeah, I was short. just going to say that I love the Bernie Wrightson artwork. Yeah. It sticks in your head. Yeah. And in that book, he kind of rearranges the holidays to make them line up with the full moon. But it's every month a little story about this werewolf that culminates in what happens in the movie. Yeah. I love the one where it's the Valentine's Day one where it's the woman in bed and the werewolf's kind of kissing her on the side oh, of the face. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite images in there. I recommend Cycle of the Werewolf, Bernie Wrightson's art, the Stephen King book, if, if folks haven't read it. Yeah. It's and fantastic. I recommend this movie because the, the Gary Busey's, this is when he was actually a good actor back, back in 85. The relationship, because he's the uncle that kind of, the kid knows there's a werewolf and nobody believes him, but he's got this uncle that does. I remember it being very genuine and seemed really cool. How you always wanted like an uncle like that if you yeah. if you didn't have one that was, you know, that was always on your side no matter what. And it resonates with me probably because I saw it when I was young. Number three, The Howling. Now everybody knows about The Howling 1981, which is one of the 1981 werewolf movies because there was three awesome werewolf movies that came out in 81. 
The Howling, Wolfen, and then my number one movie, which of course I'm sure everybody's going to figure out. The Howling is super cool. It's about a investigative reporter who has a traumatic incident with a serial killer and he's killed. Then she goes off to this place called The Colony where it's kind of a retreat to make people relaxed. It's kind of a, one of these kind of hippy-dippy places, but then there's something weird about that. It's a really cool movie. It's got some old school werewolf special effects. Yeah, well, and she kind of turns into an Ewok at the end of it. Well, cute. Or like a little dog. Why don't you spoil it? Yeah. Hey, I think people will stick with the movie just to see that effect at the end if they yeah. know it's coming. Yeah, it's I guess pretty so. rad. That's true. Number two uh, on the list is The Company of Wolves. That's a Neil Jordan movie. It's super creepy and the special effects are weird and it's sort of a period thing. It it all revolves around, I think it's three tales. The grandmother's telling these tales, but they're all very violent, but they're also kind of sexual. And it has this really creepy kind of, it's sort of about sex and exploring it through werewolf myths. And it's just, it's visually, it's really stunning. It's really creepy, gory, disturbing, pretty neat. Uh, and I just, I think it's great. I just love it. Well, I just remember the video box really well. Oh, right. Yeah. Somebody's opening a mouth and there's a wolf snout coming out of their mouth. And that's the scene that's from the movie as well, which is very disturbing. It's slow. You know, it's a little hard to get into, but there's you can see why Neil Jordan went on to to be a pretty acclaimed director. Yeah. And of course, the number one werewolf movie of all time is An American Werewolf in London, 1981. John Landis. If you haven't seen this movie, stop what you're doing right now and go (laughs) watch this movie. It is the best. It is funny. It is sad. It is scary. It is creepy. The special effects are unbelievably cool. I mean, in all practicals, they did all this stuff with physical objects. It's just unbelievable. Oh God, that's, it's just such a great movie. So I recommend it. Go, go check it out. Yeah. I I don't, I mean, I have nothing but great things to say about it. I think about it all the time. Well, this was our supplemental episode for Werewolf History Month. We're going to be back later in the week with our second episode on the camp of the dog for our subscribers. I think it's going to be a good one. And uh, we'll be concluding this fantastic lycanthropic month. Yeah, and I want to thank our sponsors, Art Dream Publishing and the Delta Green Tales from Failed Anatomies Kickstarter. That ends March 11th, so hurry up and back it. We're going to put a link up on our show notes to that Kickstarter. Please go over there, show them a little love, give them a few bucks, unlock produced audiobooks by HP Podcraft. That's right. And at the low end, you can get in there for 10 bucks and get all the stuff digital, which is great. There's already a ton of stories that have been added from the stretch goals. The book is even longer than it was normally going to be. Such authors as Adam Scott Glancy, Kenneth Height, who's been on our show, uh, Cody Goodfellow, Daniel Harms, Shane Ivey, and Jeff Carter. If you become a high-end backer, if you go $30 or more, you can actually get the early play test of Delta Green, the new version of the role-playing game that's coming out this summer. Oh, cool. It's a great game. It's super fun, especially if you like Cthulhu, which I think most people that listen to this program (laughs) probably do like Cthulhu. Well, all right. It was good doing this, and we will be back just in a few days for everybody. So with that, I'm Chris Lackey. I'm Chad Pfeiffer. And you've been listening to the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. At hppodcraft.com. HPPodcraft.com. Ah!